Two guys. Two topics. Two, two, two. two opinions. You talk. Give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. So Bradley, I see uh, you took a photo with the Pac-12 championship trophy. I actually oh, retweeted yeah. this thing. Yeah. And you're standing next to it and you said this would look real good at the home of the Utes. How much does that trophy mean to you and what does it mean to be picked first? It means a lot, and I think the Utes and their fans, our fans, we, uh, we deserve it. And, you know, it, it's, it belongs in Salt Lake after this year. And I, I do believe that, and I do believe this team has all the um, instruments in order to do so. That was Bradley and I yesterday at Pac-12 Media Day. Is he, like, playing in the marching band or something? He got all the instruments necessary? Well, I think, That's just an interesting way to say it. I it mean, is. I was waiting for the tuba section. <laughs> I thought he talked about how, as a program, they've really been building for this year. And I, I think he's right on the money because, I mean, think even think back to a decision like benching Troy Williams and putting in a young Tyler Huntley to get experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the, and one luxury that Coach Witt has, and, and really the Utah coaching staff, is he's got job security. So he could afford... Uh, and uh, particularly at that time, to look down the road a little bit and to make plans and see when he's going to have a lot of returning starters and the talent that he had. And it seems like it's building towards this upcoming year. And and Utah got a lot of love yesterday. There's there's everybody in the conference, and I feel comfortable saying that, thinks very highly about what Utah has the capability to do. What's positive about that is I heard similar whispers a couple of years ago. That they were building for that year. Yep. So it tells you that there is, you know, the old cliche about reloading and whatnot. Well, it's not really like that with the youth. I'm not sure they reload, but they develop. They bring in, they develop, and the guys who are underclassmen are learning from the guys that are in front of them. And, and Kyle Whittingham has done a really fine job of that. The youths are good, man. The program is good. It is solid right now. And uh, that was reflected in the vote yesterday. Now, I want to play one clip from Zach Moss, and I want to get your thoughts on it because I thought it was it was really good news for you fans out there, and I thought it was really telling about what they can expect from him in the offense this upcoming year. So let's play this. So you've got uh, your third offensive coordinator here in Ludwig as you go into your senior year. Mm-hmm. What has he told you about what to expect in your game this season? Uh Personally, he hasn't really told me much. Um, I mean, we expect to run the ball at least 65% of the time this year. I think it's no more of me asking my coach to go ask, <laughs> can we get 20 carries tonight or what are we looking at here? Are we throwing 45 passes tonight? It's going to be you're getting 30 touches tonight. I mean, accumulate the runs and the pass catching out of the backfield this year. It's going to be a lot of touches. It's going to be a lot of uh, playmaking in our backfield, not just for myself, but from our running back group. And um, our wideouts are going to do a very, very good job as well. That stood out to me so much. First of all, I thought it was funny. He's like, well, he hasn't told me much except for, well. I'm going to get the ball. We're going to run the ball 65% of the time. How about that? 65%. The the, uh, the specificity of it really stood out to me. And that he's been told he is going to get the ball a lot. And then the other thing that stood out to me was it, he doesn't have to complain anymore to his coach to complain to the coordinator to give him the ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, didn't that 
Didn't that just scream what happened at the beginning of last year? Yes, Where inexplicably he was not getting the touches, he was not getting the carries. I'm sure he was going to his coach going, what's going on? Go tell Troy Taylor that I'm going to get you some wins. But I can't do that when I don't have the ball. You need to give me the ball. But I, I thought the most telling thing about that is Utah is going to be a run team under Andy Ludwig, and 65% is a lot. They're going to run, 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 and that's absolutely what they should be doing. They're going to run, but it's not uh, to diminish the role that Tyler Huntley is going to play because it's going to, it's going to put an absolute premium on him completing passes that uh, that w- when the run game falls short I mean on those third third and fours you know he's got to make to sustain drives obviously you got to complete those passes so he's going to have to really be on his game from that standpoint I think it's a fallacy that uh, the quarterbacks who throw every down are you know so important I think they're just as important on a running team where those plays have to be made to sustain important drives, and I think that's going to be the case this time around. And maybe Tyler Huntley will do some of that by running the football as well. Um, I agree with you, and just to just to back you up on what you're talking about, Andrew Luck was the quarterback on a run team. He was pretty good when he was at Stanford. Alex Smith was the quarterback for a run team when he was at Utah. Went pretty well. So I think that... Uh, I think that they're going to run the ball a lot, but I agree with you that it doesn't take the focus off of Tyler Huntley, but I don't think Tyler Huntley is the most important player to this offense. I think it's going to be Zach, uh, it's going to be Zach Moss. And what what an unbelievable concept. Give the ball to your all, all, your all-conference back. Yeah. It's what? Not- what? I mean, that's why the beginning of last year was just so bizarre because they just didn't play into their strengths. And I think Utah needs to play into their strengths. Well, the big ins up front got to do their job. You know? I agree. but you... as, as good as Zach Moss is, he's not going to pick up yardage if the holes aren't there. And they have a deep stable of running backs, in, including this freshman that they're bringing in this year. I, I just think they have the ability to recruit Zach Mosses and not necessarily the ability to recruit Nikhil Harry's. And so you want to protect the defense. That's going to be the case with with Kyle Whittingham while he's here. Well, get an offense that protects the defense and get an offense that highlights your strengths. And I think that's what Andy Andy Ludwig's going to do. Yeah, but I don't think it really has to be so categorical as what you're making it. I I think there's nothing wrong with opening up the offense at times. And I think this team will be capable of doing that. I get what you're saying, but this will not be – USC student body right I I from from John McKay's day I, I I think this will I think it'll be a more more varied than that I, I think it'll be a little more balanced than that whether it's 65 percent run or 60 or 55 I mean I'm not sure it really matters as long as you're getting the ball to the right people you're getting the ball to the playmakers I well I think it I think it does matter, but that's why. No, no. But what you're talking about is what happened a year ago uh, when Troy Taylor was flinging the ball when he should have been running it, and running the ball when he should have been throwing it. I mean, there were times when it was just, it was kind of ridiculous. Well, I mean, you look at some of those games. I I should pull out the stats, but I mean, remember against uh, uh, what was it, uh, Northern Illinois? when Zach Moss touched the ball like 11 times or something ridiculous. And it's like when they hired Troy Taylor and he said he was going to bring this Eastern Washington air raid-esque offense to Utah and they were going to finally open it up 
and and zing it all over the place. And it's like, no, they're not. No, why would they do that? Why? I, every, you know what? I'll tell you this, Gordon. Every person we asked about what it's like to play Utah at Pac-12 Media Day, what do you what do you think their response was? Physical. Yes. Like a fight, like a fist fight. Stanford, uh, KJ Costello, he said Utah is the most is the team in the conference that's most like us. I, I heard David Shaw say that he's so th- glad that they don't have to play. Stanford doesn't have to play the Utes this year. So don't bring in some cute offense that relies on on touch and timing. And and you are fast you, play. You, you, you make fun of everybody. You used to, you, I mean, when we talked about this with USC, you said, "Oh, it's ridiculous that they do that." It is ridiculous. It's not. It man, is if it so works, ridiculous. You find what works, and then you do it. Right, and what works with, at USC is exactly no. what Pete Carroll no. did, and what works at Utah is what Kyle Whittingham does. You, you take that culture there, there and are, you play into it. There are different ways to skin a cat if you want to skin a cat. Now, I don't know, again, I don't know why you want to skin a cat. I, I don't know why anybody wants to do that. But I, I, I'll have no, I have no problem if Tyler Huntley gets to throw the ball some of the time. I mean, you want to just hand off to the run. You want the run game all day long. Um, and, and I don't think it has to be that way. But if you have something going on and you have a running back like him, you certainly can't use him as a decoy. Okay, I'll, uh, like uh, years ago when Utah played Arizona State and Coach Whittingham told Dave Christensen, said, I don't want to see another pass in the air. You remember that? And Utah squandered a lead and Arizona State won because they refused to pass it because Witt didn't want to turn it over. That That is to the extreme. So uh, that's not, not what only I, that. You've got to, a quarterback's going to have to make plays. But not, Utah's, not only that, but it got to the point where where, I mean, quarterbacks at Utah have been afraid to make a mistake to the point where it absolutely uh, just sort of jackknifed the offense at times. And you can't have that kind of – coach can't do that to your quarterback. You've got to build him up and let him feel confident in his abilities. And sometimes uh, I think a mistake is worth it if it's going to open things up for you. Uh, but I, I, I understand what you're saying. I'm just not saying it quite as categorically as you are, that it has to be a run team all the time. I, I, I don't think that's necessary. I'd like to see an offense like uh, Coach Ludd did at Wisconsin. Maybe not exactly like it, but when Melvin Gordon was playing pretty well for the Badgers, I'd like to see something along those lines. All right. I mean, we'll see. I just don't think... Our coordinator needs to be painted into a corner that, okay, these these are your boundaries and you can't go. I say go ahead and draw outside the lines if you need to, if you feel like that's what's going to work. Isn't that exactly what got Coach Ludwig in trouble at the when he was first at Utah? You mean when he had an undefeated season as an offensive coordinator and yeah, the Utes were yeah. uh, unbeaten the entire year? I more meant like a reverse in the red zone on third and two. Yeah, but again, now you're going extremes here. Well, you I just mean, said there's a time and a place for everything. I mean, but just because you say you don't want a reverse in the red zone like that, what was that like on the three yard line yeah, or something? Something where you just went, oh, that's it. But but because of that, you don't just say, all right, then there will be no no creativity to the offense at all because of that. No, Jake. You, gotta, you can't think that way. I just like them to. I think we agree 
that we just like them to highlight their all-conference players, especially their all-conference running back. How about this? That doesn't seem that controversial to me. Call the plays that will work. Well, how, how over-general is that? It's I no mean, more general than what you just said. To run the ball? You just said call the place at work. Well, you you can't just say run the ball. What the hell does that mean? I run don't... the ball. Okay. That means, okay, first time when the Utes first take the field, you know, hand the ball off, hand the ball off, hand the ball off, hand the ball off, hand the ball off. Oh, he threw it. What, what is Ludwig thinking? No, no, no. I That's going to be you. No, no, no. I want to see them run the ball 65% of the time, like Zach Moss said. That sounds like a really good number to me. How about 60 Fine. Whatever. All how about right. 60, that's how about 40% passing? 3.8. Well, I mean, you got to let some air into the offense, will you? No, don't. How? Oh, you pound that got, ball, uh, man. I uh, got Woody Hayes over here all of a sudden. You, three yards in a cloud of dust. You pound that ball. You let that defense rest as much as they can and then let them <laughs> go out there and, and uh, crack some skulls. You are so unimaginative. I mean, did someone, like, uh, put a crimp in your creativity as a child? Well, I've just I've been covering Utah football for a long time, and I've seen what works and what doesn't. I mean, even when they had Alex Smith, Gordon, they were they were given uh, his first year in 03, they were given Brandon Warfield the ball a ton. Yeah, and I got no problem. And then, that. you know, Quinton Ganther, Marty Johnson was mixed in there. I mean, those, that, those he, had, he hit some nice pass plays, too. He did. Yeah. But what was that offense built on? It was built well, on running the football. It was built on running the football and passing the football. It was not. It that was, was a run offense. And the heck does that even mean, a run offense? I mean, what percentage does it have to be to be I a run that, offense? I bet if we went back and did the math, or Mike Sanford's offenses under Urban Meyer, I bet they ran the ball pretty close. Well, that's because Alex Smith was running it 12 times a game. I bet they were running the ball 60% of the time. Yeah, and I would have no problem with that. But that's still leaving 40% flinging the ball around the yard. All right, something we speculated about, Gordon. I didn't think it was all that realistic, and apparently it is. Game, game times? Kickoff times? Uh, yeah, uh, that's something that Larry Scott mentioned, that uh, 9 o'clock Pacific time games in the Pac-12 might be a reality. The Pac-12 thinks that uh, not enough eyeballs back east are seeing their games. Highlights uh, aren't being shown all day long. And uh, want to uh, move some games to the morning. Now, here's here's my thing on it. I don't like it, uh, but I hate the late games too, as you know, and not just because of inconvenience for all of us, but inconvenience for the fans. And I just I understand the realities of modern sports. I know that it's about the money. I know that that's what that's what drives everything but it's too bad that the the paying customers the people that go to the stadium and are actually in the building to support your team that those are the people who are thought of last sometimes and uh, i think that's the case in these situations kick off at nine o'clock at night kick off at 9 a.m in the morning neither one is ideal whatever happened to an afternoon game well, we're beholden the TV windows, of course, and we've talked uh, about that at great length. And it's particularly bad for this time zone because a 9 o'clock game is an 8 o'clock game in the Pacific. I mean, it's an hour, but it, that's a fairly big deal. An 8 o'clock game is a 7 o'clock game, you know? And for us, we get lumped in with the West Coast even though we're an hour later, and it it's particularly disadvantageous for us. However, I totally agree with you. I'd rather see 
a more in that morning slot than in the late the late night slot and it would be 10 a.m for us which was obviously better than the 9 a.m pacific and and because of that, I think we're going to see them experiment with this. And I think Utah and Colorado are going to be the two teams that they experiment with. So I would not be surprised to see Utah get at least a game where they're in that morning time slot. And I, you know, Gordon, you you start the game at 10. You're done by 2 at the latest. It's not bad. No, Better I mean, than starting at 8 and being done it's at It's still midnight. not as good as a 1 o'clock. Yeah. It's not, but that's not going to happen no. because of, of where they, they're located geographically. And you can't start uh, an East Coast game at 10 p.m. You just can't. I do agree that uh, 10 in the morning is better than 8 at night. Uh, 8 at night is a joke. But I don't like this either. And I, It's like the tail wagging the dog. TV and the money that comes with it, which is really what it is, is uh, is everyone's priority now? I agree, but that's never going to change. I mean, I, I agree with your sentiment wholeheartedly. I want to see a noon game, one hundred percent. I mean, I know when Utah or excuse me BYU plays those BYU TV games, the opponent usually isn't all that terrific, but the game time is sweet. How about though? How effective will it really be as far as exposure? Because that's what they're really going for. They're trying to get the games in front of voters. Uh, and uh, a lot of times uh, we've talked about this where people whose job it is to evaluate programs aren't even watching football anymore on Saturday night by the time the Pac-12 games roll around. And they're trying to get those eyeballs back east on their games, on their, their teams. And I can understand why institutionally that would be an advantage for the conference. I just don't think it's an advantage for the fan. And that those are the people that I'm speaking to on these situations. But I would take t- 10 in the morning before 9 at night. I okay. mean, but, but neither one of them. Come on. I just don't like it. And I guess I can, I can just bark at the moon if I want. I think you hit an, imp- an interesting slash important point that the, the highlights run in all day. And they have all those highlight shows and halftime shows and all that sort of thing to fill with what's going on, what's happened earlier in the day. And then social media, you get those clips and those highlights and everything out on social media and and people can consume it. I mean, when your game ends at 2 a.m. Eastern, you know, nobody's even on social media to watch those highlights, you know. And then by the time Sunday rolls around, that part of the country has moved on to the NFL. So I, I do think there's some value in that. I think you make an interesting What about point. players? Let's say there is a 9 o'clock kick uh, and a team on the West Coast has to do that. Those players got to get up, what, at 4 in the morning? They, I bet coaches like it more than the late start. I don't know about players. Because you and I both know, we've talked to enough coaches, we both know they hate sitting around waiting for an 8 yeah. kick. Because they have to keep their players, uh, you know, focused and on task and, and entertained for the entire day to get them in the right spot for the game. As opposed to, I think they'd prefer like a noon start where they can just get them up, get them through the routine and get them going. As opposed to, all right, guys, hurry up and wait, you know. And but think about fans who have to travel four or five hours to get to a game. Yeah, that's tough. And and think about the poor fans that have got to get themselves lubricated before a, a yeah. 10 a.m. kickoff. Yeah, there's you that, know? too. They've got to be taking Jaeger shots at 7 o'clock in the morning. And we've got to think about those fans. But I'd still prefer that to the late start. I mentioned in that column how attendance at college football games is, is declining. It's, it's, it's descending. It's on a steady kind of descent. 
And uh, Pat Fitzgerald, the coach of Northwestern, blame that on the technology craze that's going on with younger fans these days. That they'd rather watch on TV. That they'd rather watch on their phone. Or they never take their eyes off their phone. I agree with him that society would be better if there was a greater emphasis on living in the moment rather than recording something so you can post it on Instagram or some such like that. I get that. I agree with him in that regard. But I think there's a whole lot of reasons beyond technology that's costing attendance at games. Uh, and, and, you know, not to mention the price of it, the hassle of it, and, and the fact that uh, when, when Larry Scott is talking about doing this kind of thing, who is he? Do- it is advantageous to the fan that stays home and watches on TV, can watch the freaking game in his pajamas and his robe if he wants to. Yeah. No, it's, it's 100% true. Part of the problem, though, Gordon, and this doesn't, well, I guess it does have to do with technology, not necessarily social media, but football is better to watch on TV than it is in person. When you take out all the other rigmarole that makes watching football great in person, the tailgating, the, the, the cheering, um, you know, the, the camaraderie with your fellow fan, when you take all that stuff all out of it and just surely consuming the product of football, watching the game of football, it's far better on TV than it is in person. Well, That's just and, a fact. And during the TV timeouts, when, uh, when you're at the game, you're sitting there twiddling your thumbs. Going, and what are home, we doing? You just walk in, grab something out of the fridge, come back, park yourself, and you're ready to go again. Right. Or you record it and buzz through it quick. Which I do all the time with my friends. If if I have friends over to watch a, a game, say we're watching the, the national championship or something like you that. You start an hour late. We start 45 minutes to an hour late because yeah. we just buzz through everything. You know, you have everybody turn off their social media and mm-hmm. you start the game 45 minutes late. And There's always someone who's got that phone on and next thing you know, they... It comes out. you got to be careful. Well, that's that. when there's consequences for that person. Like, you smash their phone. <laughs> and you make that, you make that uh, clear are, going in. These are Jake's house rules. It, Anybody who pulls out the phone, we smash We're it. smashing that phone. So, <laughs> unless you want to get your phone smashed, then uh, you should keep that bad boy in your pocket. Yep. But I, I, you know what I'm saying, though. Like, of course that's going to hurt in-person attendance. Because, because they make it better. To stay at home. Better on TV. Now, I think those other things, real quick, do create a ton of value and make football unique. The the tailgating, the camaraderie, the band, uh, the in-person, you know, making the stadium loud, having an impact on the game, all those sorts of things carry value. And I think that's why fans still go. But if you want to look at the at the black and white, if you compare the, pro- the product, watching a game in person, watching on TV, football more than any other sport, it's far better on television. It's It was made for TV. There are things that are more difficult, like you can't see which receive, the receivers who are open on plays because the camera's on the quarterback or something along those lines. And a lot of people do like to like to be there, you know, say they're there and, uh, and, and, and take part in all the good stuff that uh, is available. It's just that it comes at a cost. All right, we'll have more straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.